Thanks very much for uh, reading that. Um, and so as we continue on uh, the series in Ten Commandments, it's probably appropriate that I remind you, as per the disclaimer I've given in the first couple, is that this is not my actual original work. Um, and I give credit and indeed praise to uh, the Reverend John de Hoog, who created the sermon series uh, quite a few years ago. And I was privileged to have the Reverend John de Hoog as my pastor in Canberra and he continues as the Old Testament lecturer at the Reformed Theological College in Melbourne. So before, if you have, well, that's only if you've liked any of the sermons in the past that I've given, uh, do not think that I am of any particular brilliance or genius. It is the work of another, but indeed it is uh, the word of the Lord that we're looking at. Uh, so again, this is the sixth sermon on the series in the Ten Commandments, and today we are looking at the Fifth Commandment. Uh, but as a general overall theme, I want you to, you know, we've all heard the Ten Commandments if we've grown up in the church, we've heard it so many times. And even if you're hearing it for the first time, we need to remember to look deeper into what the Ten Commandments are saying, not just look at the surface level reading, look at what the heart issue is behind the Ten Commandments and also look at how Jesus has fulfilled or how Jesus uh, uh, helps us to understand uh, the commandment as we read it. So uh, let's look at the, I'm just going to read the fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's uh, pray before we start. Heavenly Father, as we continue to delve into your Ten Commandments, Lord, we just give thanks that uh, throughout the whole Bible we can see your plan of how you desire us to worship you, how you desire us to obey you, but more importantly, Lord, how indeed you sent Jesus to be our salvation, to be our intermediary, uh, to provide us that uh, access to you, and in, indeed a, a path to heaven. So, Lord, as we uh, continue to look at the Ten Commandments, help us to look at all these commandments in the light of the, sal- uh, the salvation uh, that, was, uh, that we have through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So many people see the fifth commandment about honouring your parents as the softest commandment. Maybe they might expect that a sermon on this commandment is going to contain lots of warm and fuzzies about good kids and what parents should do, and the preacher might tell us to get our act together about how we're raising our kids. But in general, it might be all a bit innocuous. There might not be anything hard-hitting there that we really need to deeply think about. Well, perhaps I'm going to say to you, we should think again. We might take that kind of attitude to this commandment if we don't have a biblical worldview on children and their parents. Or perhaps to say it in a different way, if we don't have a biblical worldview of children and their parents, we won't see the fifth commandment for what it actually is. And before we adults all sit back and say, yeah, you kids, watch out, here it comes... This commandment is actually for everyone, whether you're young, middle-aged, or more experienced. Um, And as far as I'm aware, unless I'm mistaken, we are all children of someone. So this commandment speaks to us all. So let's look in uh, Romans 1, where Paul gives an appalling description of the world gone bad. This is what he has to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 29. They have all become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. 
They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are selfless, uh, senseless, faithful, uh, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So in, God, uh, in, in Paul's commentary on what society is like back then, in this horrible list, Paul includes uh, disobedience to parents. And perhaps we might take another example uh, from Paul's description of the last days in which we now live, and we'll find this in 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient of their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. That is quite a commentary on what we might see in the world today and certainly if you turn on the TV. But did you notice again in this terrible list, again, Paul includes disobedience to parents. And in times of great godlessness and declines in society, when the foundations of morality are being shaken, one of the striking signs that things are not right is that there's a widespread disobedience of parents. So here is the problem. Maybe our worldview is different to this, isn't it? Maybe people see rebellion against parents as a normal stage that virtually every teenager goes through. It's not even perhaps thought as being particularly bad, but just something we need to negotiate our way through. It's just that phase that we have to go through as they slowly reach maturity, or maybe they never do. But the Bible doesn't see it that way at all. When the Bible includes disobedience to parents on the list of evidence that society is crumbling, we are meant to be horrified. We are meant to be aghast saying, what? Not disobedient to to parents too? Have things gone so wrong with children in our society now that disobedience of parents is widespread? So on the face of all this comes the simple statement of God's will in the fifth commandment. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6 that we just read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So honour your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise. That promise is that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So I'd like to break this uh, commandment up under two headings. So here is the first heading. Honour your parents as a primary and foundational responsibility. I'll say it again. To honour your parents as a primary and foundational responsibility. And for the younger folk here, if you don't understand what I mean when I say primary and foundational, obviously we understand primary as the first thing and foundational, that thing that is very important that sets up the rest of how you might might relate in the future to to all other uh, people and also to God. So in our society, family relationships are generally held to be quite private. 
Family relationships are usually no one else's business. We bristle when anyone dares stick their nose into our family ways. And it's very dangerous to make comments about other people's children without being asked. Our society has privatised families so much that it's almost impossible to say anything about anyone's family except in extreme cases. But in the Bible, family relationships are a public concern. Whenever the Bible talks about children and parents, it always makes a connection between that commandment and society. Honour your father and mother so that you might live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you is not a guarantee of long life for the individual. It's rather talking about living long in the land as a community, as a society, as a nation, as a community where parents are honoured Sorry, a community where parents are honoured is the kind of community that will survive long in the land. But a society won't work if the family doesn't work. Now, in Israel, the rebellion of a child against its parents was always seen as a very public crime to be dealt with publicly. Now, if you read Deuteronomy 21 and verses 18 through to 21 sometime, there is a passage about a rebellious son And particularly in verse 21, it says this, Then all the men of this town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. By God's will, Israel was the kind of society where rebellion against parents was a heinous crime, a public crime that was to be judged and dealt with publicly. And in Deuteronomy, rebellion against parents was an evil that was to be purged from Israel. And in fact, while you're there, read the whole book of Deuteronomy. See God's plan for setting Israel apart from the surrounding pagan nations. See God's very specific plan, and you might even find it quite harsh, about his desire to keep his people holy, to be extremely distinct, to be very different from those that surrounded them. So why is this? Why does the Bible see this sin as threatening the very fabric of society? Should we learn something about the way we see our own family relationships? So here is the answer. The parent-child relationship is the primary foundational relationship and where it breaks down across a society, that society begins to break down as well. If the family doesn't work, then in the long term, a society won't work either. So the Bible sees the family as the sphere of authority that is foundational to all other relationships in society. And that's certainly true historically, isn't it? In the first family, Adam was the father, the husband, the prophet, the priest, the king, the employer, the teacher, and everything else, and there was no one else. But as humankind has developed these roles have been divided amongst other spheres of authority in society. Perhaps it's also true of our own experience. The family is our first experience of authority and of submission, and if we don't learn to submit to our parents, we're going to find it tough to submit to teachers. We're going to find it tough to submit to employers, to obeying the law, to obeying the police, to obeying the government perhaps to obeying church leaders and so on. But more importantly, we're going to find it tough to submit to God. Now, we talked about eldership, the qualifications of eldership in the Bible. An elder is not fit to lead the church. 
until he can show that he can lead his own family well. And then the passage in Ephesians, which we just read about parents and children, is part of a wider section about relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves, but it's all about godly living, a relationship of submission to God being expressed in all these other relationships. So an assault on the family is an assault on the public good. A society that lets families unravel is letting itself be unravelled. Now, the political party, Family First, is well named. Now, you might not agree with all its policies, and you might not agree with its people who actually are part of that uh, political party, but at least it gets its name right. In the area of society and government, family should indeed be first. So here then is a summary of the the first heading that was honour your parents as a primary and foundational responsibility. Learning to honour your parents is the first lesson to learn to help you do well in all other relationships, even in your relationship with God. When you children honour your parents, when you learn to obey them and respect them, You are not doing only good to your family and to your parents. You are doing good to Mafra. You're doing good to Gippsland and to Victoria and Australia as well. Your small acts of valuing valuing your parents to help create a better world is a part of making a world that's better for all. Now, of course, there will always be bad family situations, but we can't let an exception control the principle. So... What do I mean by an exception controlling the principle? Here's a hypothetical conversation that I might have had with a young person recently. The conversation goes something like this. Dad, would you ever drive a car at 180 kilometres an hour? And I would say, no, I wouldn't. But they go, but your car could go 180 kilometres an hour, couldn't it? Well, not if I was driving it. But what if someone was going to pay you $7 million to drive at 180 kilometres an hour? You would then, wouldn't you? Well, maybe if it's on a racetrack and maybe there's no other cars around and maybe if it's okay and it was safe to drive at that speed, I might try and get up to 180 kilometres an hour for $7 million. And then it's, of course, aha, so you would drive at 180 kilometres an hour. That's an exceptional circumstance which doesn't really go to what the actual principle is here. So exceptional circumstances can never be used to work out principles. There will always be bad family situations. You might come from a dysfunctional family where you didn't mean, uh, where you didn't learn the meaning of godly authority, or, or didn't learn about submission, or you didn't learn about unconditional love. It may feel impossible for some of us to love and respect our parents, but that doesn't do away with the general principle. Honouring your parents is a primary and foundational responsibility, one that you should take up from the beginning of your life and we should seek to support and help parents when we can. The parent-child relationship is often key to all the other relationships of life. As families, we also need to take some steps to resist the great temptation to privatise the family life. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the book called Growing Kids God's Way, uh, written by Gary Ezzo. In this book, he advises that we would nev- should never offer someone else advice about their families unless we are asked. He says, never volunteer criticism or even friendly advice 
Rather, live with your family in such a way that other people will ask for your advice and then you can give it. Now, Gary Ezzo's recommendation is valuable and bitter experience, I'm sure, has taught many of us that. But it's actually quite rare to hear other people asking for advice. Maybe you're an exception and maybe you've experienced that and that is good. Maybe a young family might ask you know, the Aldridges, how do you get your children to sit so quiet and so attentively through church? Or maybe you might get a compliment when you step off a plane and about how well behaved your children were on that plane. Or maybe you read Growing Kids Godway and you've enacted it as a part of your family system. And a young mother who's desperate for sleep and who's desperate for order in her life uh, in their family might ask you, how is it that you know your baby is going to sleep and when it's going to wake up and when it's time to feed? And how do you organise your life that you've got, you know you've got two hours of, uh, between these uh, phases to get your shopping done? And maybe there's other examples too of older teenage children where a younger family can ask, how come your kids are so great? What are you doing? So we who have younger children should be more open to asking for advice from trusted, godly friends. Society tells us to clam up. Society tells us to make everything private and to never admit to having struggles. But the Bible encourages us to confess our weaknesses and to be willing to learn from others. And indeed, we should be able to learn from our church family. So now let's move on to the second heading. Many of us see the fifth commandment as being one that applies mainly to our kids. Well, guess again, no it doesn't. The fifth commandment applies to us all. So here's the second heading I would like you to use. Honour your parents as adult children. Yes, honouring your parents as adult children. If we do not honour our own parents, we can't very well demand that our children honour us. So let us think about how we might honour our parents, especially when we're adults. What does honour mean? Well, the word honour derives from the root that means weighty, to be heavy. To honour someone is to give them weight in your life. That might be expressed in words like, you are important to me, you have weight in my life, you are significant to me, I value you, I esteem you, you make a genuine difference in my life. Or without you, my life would be poorer. It's an attitude of the heart. But it's not something that might well up in us spontaneously, but it is under our control. We must do the honouring. It's not, a, not so much an emotion, it's a decision, it's an action. God commands us to take the heart attitude, the honour, and extend it to our parents. Now let's again be practical. Many people dislike their parents and many parents are in fact hard to love and honour. Maybe as an adult they still try to control you. Maybe they can't handle your kids. Maybe they interfere with the ideas about how you raise your kids. And maybe, very sadly, maybe you wish they would just hurry up and die. As Christians, we need to apply the gospel to the relationship that we have with our parents. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. There is a relationship that is more important for Christians than just the relationship with their parents, and that is their relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
Think about the relationship you have with Jesus. It's a relationship of grace. It's a relationship of forgiveness and acceptance. It's not a relationship where Jesus says, until you get your act together, you're on the outside, buddy. All of us who come to Jesus find full forgiveness and full acceptance in spite of our sin. So if you are fully forgiven and fully accepted, that's going to change the flavour of all our relationships. If you have been forgiven so much by your Heavenly Father through the work of Jesus, if all your offences have been pardoned freely and fully, can you seriously hold on to the small offences that others, including your parents, have committed against you? Or perhaps to put it this a different way, if you call yourself a Christian and yet you carry many grievances and you find it hard to forgive others, no matter how big or small the offence against you, maybe you should take a deep breath and look at the incredible act of forgiveness that has come to you through Jesus. The grace in Jesus radically changes everything, doesn't it? Should it? Can you look in your life and see where Jesus has radically changed your life, especially in this area? God the Father accepts and loves you now like he accepts and loves Jesus. Do you still need to get your pound of flesh, your sense of worth, your revenge on someone? And the answer should be a resounding no. The gospel of Jesus Christ should radically change the way you think about yourself and the way you think about others. Now, your parents, no matter how much you might personally have issues with them or dislike them, are people you can extend grace to, people you can forgive. Even the very... um, no longer will should they offend you. Grace should now be the air that you breathe and you should rest easy, even in a difficult family dynamic. So the first thing we can do to honour our parents is to forgive them. Even the very best parenting uh, skills, even the very best parent-child relationship will always need forgiveness. And complicated and as difficult as parent-child relationships are, Difficult ones need it even more. And teenagers, this even applies to you. Realise that your parents are as sinless as you. You might want to think about that. If you think that you're awesome, maybe you should think that your parents are awesome too. If you think your parents are idiots, maybe you should have a deep look at yourself. So if you're in the Lord, his grace will give you the power to forgive your parents. So how else can we honour our parents? The Bible takes great stock in looking after our parents and grandparents when they get older. Paul puts it this way in 1 Timothy 5. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Mark, the big question is, have you really denied the faith if you fail to care for your elderly parents? Well, plainly, yes, because you're denying the plain law that, the, that God is talking to us here in the fifth commandment. If, is someone who fails to look after an elderly parent really worse than an unbeliever, as Paul puts it? Well, yes, again. This was certainly true in Paul's day, for in Paul's day, even unbelieving pagans 
held their elders in high esteem. They practiced ancestor worship and they also expressed great honor for their elderly living folk. How terrible would it be for a Christian released from the yoke of pagan religion and ancestor worship that he would do even less for his elderly parents than someone who makes no Christian profession at all? This would indeed place the Christian faith in a very bad light, even in comparison to paganism. So that was in Paul's day. Would the same thing apply today? And I'll again say yes, certainly. One of the very important strategies for the witness, for the Christian witness, is for people, is for us to let people know that we are Christian and to let them into our lives with the aim that people might say, wow, is that how a Christian treats their parents? That's great. Wonder why they do that. And that can be across a whole bunch of spheres of when people who know that we're Christians observe our behaviour and they think, might think, why do we do that? So many Christians have failed to apply general Christian commands as family ties. Take the verse from Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's a pretty radical demand, especially in today's society. Perhaps we need to spend a whole lifetime working out what that actually means. But I think the plain English is quite simple. But some of us have a a blind spot about this when it comes to applying it to the closest of us. But it is to those who are as close, the closest to us that this command should most be closely applied. Husbands and wives should apply this command to each other. And adult children should apply this command to their aging parents. So let me repeat it. Think about whether there's anything you need to change in your relationship with your parents. So when, as Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not uh, should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. How this works out is different for all of us. For some of us, one or more of our parents might have died, and all we can do is honour their reputation. Some of us might have parents who live interstate or even other countries, But even with the modern means of travel and communication, there is more than one way we can fill this command. And we who are adult children with surviving parents need to think very carefully about how we take up this responsibility. So to wrap up here, the fifth commandment is the only one of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. It is a promise which creates a culture where honour is important and where the weak are to be looked after. Ultimately, if you feel that this command is something that is beyond you, then think hard about your relationship with God. And ultimately, our culture doesn't stand a chance if this commandment is not obeyed. Part of being salt and light in this world is wrapped up in our serious attention to the fifth commandment. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that as we've heard your word, especially about the fifth commandment and what you demand of us, that indeed, Lord, we would search our hearts 
for what is in our hearts, what attitude we carry to relationships and the relationship that we have uh, with you and, Lord, indeed, the relationships that you command us to have between uh, children and parents. Lord, we just pray that as we uh, contemplate these words today and, and, and going forward this coming week, that we would indeed look to uh, to right the wrongs uh, and to forgive and to resolve grievances and to indeed, Lord, uh, extend the grace to others that you have extended to us. Lord, we uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.